What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Real Talk Fire. Super excited to have the president and co-founder of Blockbar here today. One of the premier wine and spirit NFT companies out there today. So welcome, Sam, to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Yes. And Sam and I actually connected six months past uh, when we did our YouTube interview. So that's uh, in crypto and Web3 space. That is many like a decade ago, like dog years, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's probably more than dog years. <laughs> awesome. So for first time listeners who have not checked out that YouTube interview, like, tell us a little bit about Blockbar and about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Well, as you said, my name is Sam Fallick. I'm the president and co-founder of Blockbar. Uh, we could hop in a little bit into my background as the podcast progressed, but most importantly, probably the reason why most of the people are listening and uh, why you invited me on the show. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about Blockbar. So Blockbar is the world's first direct-to-consumer NFT marketplace for premium wines and spirits. In very simple terms, we sell NFTs directly from luxury wine and spirits brands, where each NFT corresponds to an actual physical bottle. And then the owners of the NFT have the ability to resell it on the platform, gift it to anyone in the world, or at any point redeem the physical product that the NFT is associated with. So in very simple terms, what we like to tell people is we sell premium wine and spirits authenticated via blockchain. Uh, the consumer owns the product. Uh, we store it for you. And then when you buy it, the, there's an NFT associated with each purchase. And like I said, you could redeem, resell, or gift it to anyone in the world. That is the first of its kind. I'm sure you're the first company to do this, first to my knowledge. And with what's happened in the last six months since we last talked, a roller coaster in the industry uh, and also, you know, um, world economics, has alcohol consumption gone up in this <laughs> in the world? Yeah, well, first of all, there is definitely a few companies that do this, but the main differentiator between Blockbar and some of our competitors is that Blockbar only works directly with the brand. So any product that you're going to see on our platform is done in partnership with the brand. So for example, we had a release done recently with Johnny Walker that was in partnership with Johnny Walker. So this is a way for you to buy a product directly from the brand, trace trace ownership directly from the brand all the way back to the supplier. Uh, in terms of what you're asking, has alcohol and consumption gone up? The answer mm -hmm. is yes. Uh, forecasting going forward, a lot of people think that premium wine and spirits, uh, that category is not going to be as affected as everything that's going on. The middle tier and the lower tier may be affected. Uh, but again, n no one is really sure. But wine and spirits is usually split up into the lower tier, the middle tier and the and the premium. Mm. Premium consumption and collection is projected to actually go up. Uh, I don't know the Kager off the top of my head, but I could definitely let you know after the show, Joe. Yeah, definitely. That's how I got interested in the block bar because my friend collects whiskeys. Every time I go to his house, just last month, actually, he came back from a duty-free airport grabbed another three whiskeys. And that's, his that's our background, by the way. We come from the duty-free industry. Yeah, he always tells me that's where, you know, um, he gets the most bang for his buck. And he's always yeah. asking me if I'm traveling to grab him some whiskey. Yeah. So I, I learned about your niche, your industry through him. And I've seen that as an alternate investment besides NFTs or before NFTs even were in play, that this industry's outperformed, you know, the S&P and entire different um, asset classes. And I'm curious how it's performing now. Maybe we'll see the year-end summary. But I think I've seen some glimpses of it actually doing well, even during these times as everything else is you know, driving to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, premium wine and spirits as an investment is going up. And again, on our platform, we like to focus on the investability, the collectability, but also on the consumption. Because um, premium wine and spirits at the end of the day is ultimately meant to be 
enjoyed with family, with friends on certain occasions. So our product is basically proving authenticity up until the point of redemption. But on BlockBar and with our brands, our goal is for eventually consumers to actually redeem and enjoy that product because that's what it's really all about. I remember you mentioned previously that there's a lot, or, or I'm not sure if there's a lot, but there was fraud because with these higher end spirits, yeah. no one ever opens them and you might buy a fraudulent one. And that's why you guys <clears throat> go direct to consumers. And I was wondering, you know, with that, uh, what have you seen the community's uh, take on that is? Is it something that they're super excited about? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we focus our community on a few different types of target consumers. So the first one, and first and foremost, it's the traditional wine and spirits collector. So that's people like your friend, people that already are in this world, they know the world, and they know all of the hurdles, which I'll get back to in a little bit. Then on the other side of the spectrum, there's a bunch of people who are interested in collecting premium wines and spirits. They just have no idea exactly where to start. Uh, the barriers to entry are pretty high, and a lot of people get burned if you don't know what you're doing. And then lastly, for people looking to diversify their portfolio, like you said, it is a pretty sound investment. Of course, this isn't that this isn't financial advice, but like you said, traditionally wine and spirits have outperformed gold and the S&P 500. But when you look at specifically wine and spirits as a category, uh, like I said, it comes with a lot of hurdles. Number one is access, where you hear right. about this exclusive product, you want to buy it, you have no idea where to start. You can't necessarily get in touch directly with the brand. And especially if you're in the US, you actually are not allowed to buy directly from the brand. There's something called the mm. three-tier system, which basically there is the supplier, the brand, the distributor, the retailer, all the way. Then after that is the consumer. And if it resells multiple times, there's kind of no chain of custody. So that's something that we're trying mm. to solve. But your friend is a perfect example because a lot of people do buy premium wines and spirits at uh, duty-free locations. Uh, and my co-founder and I, our first cousins, uh, our families in the duty-free industry were the owners and operators of Duty-Free America, the largest duty-free operation in the Western hemisphere. Uh, and we saw this problem, you know, pretty often in, in our location. So we we have one of the, we have the only McAllen boutique in the United States. It's in JFK airport. And mm -hmm. we have a ton of people who were interested in buying the exclusive products from the boutique. So they would reach out to us. They would ask if they could prepay. But the issue is that really the only way for them to access that collection is for them to physically go into that location, buy it, right. and then they have to leave the country. So, because that's how duty-free works. So we actually found that a lot of people were buying tickets, flying into the to the JFK airport just to buy at this McCallum boutique and then fly out because some of the products were so <laughs> premium and so exclusive. Yeah. And then some people enjoyed it, gifted it, or some people waited a couple of years and then resold it. But then that's the other problem. When you go to resell it, the reselling, the, the resale nature of uh, and the secondary market of this industry is pretty opaque. There's not really one centralized place where people could go. There's a bunch of different players. And then even when you're buying it, there's no true proof of authenticity. The only real way to prove authenticity is to taste it. Uh, mm. And if you don't know what you're doing, you don't even know what it's supposed to taste like. So the most common way for people to counterfeit products like this is to actually get the bottle and then they dump out the liquid, fill it in mm -hmm. with fake liquid. And then when they're reselling it on a platform, you're buying the real bottle, the real label, but the liquid on the inside is, you know, it, it, is, is a fraud. Uh, so that's kind of the most common way that people have been counterfeiting in the industry. And that's what BlockBar is trying to solve. That's amazing that that problem's there and you guys are closing that gap. Have we seen an uproar from the distributor, the middleman? Because you're, you're kind of taking a leap over them in this aspect. How they, uh, are they aware of what you're looking to do? I mean, it's, it's a plus for the industry overall. Yeah, exactly. And you, you worded it perfectly. You know, I think at first there was a little bit of resistance 
But uh, our motto here is that a rising tide lifts all boats. Our goal is really to bring more people into this industry. Uh, and our goal is not to cannibalize any of the existing channels. It's really to expand that channel. Like I said, uh, our goal is to reach an entirely new demographic, people who either didn't know about this industry or didn't have access to this industry. Right now, when you think of the traditional wine and spirits collector, I mean, Joe, you, you'd know this. It, off the top of your head, you're probably thinking of an older male, probably 40 to 50 years old, uh, has a wine cellar, has somewhere that has somewhere to store it, has somewhere to insure it, and and they know the obstacles, but they're willing to to you know bite the bullet anyway. On Blockbar, what we've seen is the bulk of our consumers are actually ages 25 to 34. So mm-hmm. we're trying to bring this entire new demographic of individuals into this asset class, uh, and then also once they enjoy products on Blockbar, meaning whether they buy it or they consume it and they redeem it, they become avid fans of the brand. So. Let's say you bought that Johnny Walker release that we're just talking about, uh, which was in, in collaboration with Vandy the Pink, uh, a renowned artist. It could be now ne- next time you go to the bar, you're looking for Johnny Walker because that's your drink. Or next time you're buying a gift for someone, you have a little bit more pride with Johnny Walker. So that kind of becomes your go-to. So uh, we're trying to create rabid fans in the industry. Yeah, definitely. You guys are more creative in the space than I've seen many NFT projects out there, not wine, or, not wine or spirit specific. And I realized that you guys have done stuff, collaborations with Board 8. Usher, I saw a billboard for Usher, Block Bar NFT when I was in Vegas. No joke, I saw it. And you can actually buy in person there at the event or and the Block Bar release, which I thought was interesting. Vanny the Pinky mentioned you, you did an installation there of Art Basel. The first DAO, I believe, to select a wine label, correct? Is that correct? I don't think I've heard of anything else be, uh, from a major company like Johnny Walker allowing that. So you guys have done you know, some of the most creative things that I've seen to try to reach that maybe demographic 100% to add more value than just the, the spirit itself. Uh, question, which one? Many questions, actually. Three questions. Which one was best received? What's your favorite? And what's, what's next? <laughs> Well, Joe, that's like asking me to pick my favorite child. Exactly. I'm asking you to do that. Yeah. (laughs) It's tough. But I think that uh, all of the collaborations that you're mentioning are really a testament to the brands more than it is to Blockbart, to be fair. Because, Mm. for example, I'll use just the the Remy Usher example that you're doing. Remy and Usher were the ones that put together that collaboration that wasn't brokered through Blockbart. But think about it. There was only, uh, I believe there was only 50 bottles made from that collection. Now, think about what would happen prior to Blockbart. Remy and Usher create 50 bottles. Usher wanted 25 of them. So then there's another 25. Now it's up to Remy to figure out exactly where they want to allocate those products. You know, they're going to send some to Asia. They'll send some to travel retail. They might send some to Harry's or a liquor store in Vegas. And then for a consumer to actually go and get access to it, you got to just be at the right place at the right time or know the right person. And that's why what we're building at Blockbar is 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 so beneficial for the brands because it creates kind of a global marketplace and global equal access, democratizing the the asset class. Anyone, anywhere in the world, as long as you have access to internet, can go and participate now uh, and buy into the history of the brand, buy into the history of the artists, uh, and then also just enjoy an extreme premium collectible. Um, Some of my favorite collections, I mean, for me, I think that we've tried to focus on completely exclusive allocations. Uh, and just want to mention that did an amazing job with that was uh, Arbeg. Arbeg is a scotch owned by LVMH, we've told more Hennessy. Uh, they gave us a complete allocation of a product that can't be found anywhere else. Consumers were really excited about it. It actually became available to redeem two days ago. We've already had 13 redemptions. So people are looking nice. to actually collect the product and redeem it and drink it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I saw on the Discord on the, I think, I'm not sure if there's a redemption tab, but I saw the Glenn Fittich that I have in my collection and it looks so amazing in real life that I wanted to redeem it. Although I think I should better leave it in storage. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, Joe, if you wanted to, we actually just brokered a partnership with Infinite Objects, which is really cool. Uh, one of the right. complaints, that, not, not one of the complaints, but one of the concerns that we had in uh, in our community was people said, you know, I love this product. But yeah, so there were there were people who were interested in in collecting the product, but they didn't want to store it on the sh on their shelves themselves. Um, but they did want a way to showcase their collection. So we created a partnership with Infinite Objects, where it allows you to print your NFT. You could store it on the bar on your bar. Looks extremely beautiful. Infinite Objects has done an amazing job creating these displays. Uh, and then there's a QR code on the back. Your friends can come in, scan it, see that you own it, uh, and then it just creates that that's still having that bar behind you. Uh, and then you could have it delivered to you whenever you want. Yeah, definitely. Infinite objects showing your NFTs digitally is something that I see happening more and more in 2023. Like I have a lot of physical NFTs that I show off here, but definitely um, in the digital aspect, in the metaverse, I see that's something that I want to do more so just because of space, number one, and then also exactly. it being a more you know vivid experience. And I wanted to ask a question uh, about Blockbar, um, something that I saw in the news this last week was IKEA was doing digital twinning, NFTs attached to yeah. the furniture to sh to show the life cycle of it, right? And I know that you mentioned that uh, with the the chains of so uh, the, the supply chain of how it works currently with the distributor and the middleman getting watered down, we don't know the authenticity of it. That maybe you guys can solve not only the authentic authenticity problem but also maybe we can showcase some of the origins right like i think i think you mentioned on the previous interview where the grapes come from uh, how the soil right. was during the time uh, and all that stuff is that still is that in the works is that coming out yeah for sure i mean I, again we view ourselves as a vehicle to communicate from the brands directly to the consumers so it's up to the brands and i think like you were saying one of the things that makes uh wine and spirits so collectible uh is how rare each one is meaning when you create a vintage of 1985 from Bordeaux, uh, that wine has to be specifically in that region. It's when it's in a specific confine of borders. Uh, the season, the weather, the storage, everything pl plays in it, into the, the actual product. And that's why no two vintages are alike. Uh, and that's what we do at Block Bar is we showcase exactly uh, what makes that vintage so special, what makes it so unique. And it's the brand's uh, chance to really, to really flex on all of their collectors or potential collectors on why this is so amazing. It gives them the chance to tell that story. Uh, and then now that we're kind of, because Block Bar launched around a year ago. So now that we're, you know, building on that relationship with the brands, the brands are thinking exactly what, like what you're saying, Joe, which is how else could we use this? Can we track it all the way back to when the seeds were planted? Can we plat, uh, track it all the way back mm -hmm. to when it was barreled while it's aging? Uh, and there are, are a lot of interesting projects that are in the works at Block Bar. One of, one of the great releases that we've had, which is, this was done about a year ago, uh, Penfolds sold a barrel of wine that is still aging in the barrel. So usually when you're a collector, you have to wait until the, until mm -hmm. the, bottle is, is bot the barrel is bottled. And then you don't know if it's a good vintage until a couple of years later. Uh, but what Penfolds did is they kind of opened up the doors. They opened up the doors to their seller to allow consumers to buy into basically the future of this wine because you're buying into a barrel. Eventually that barrel is gonna convert into bottles and then your NFT is gonna update into from one barrel into however many bottles come from that barrel. Wow, 
Wow. So there's, there are a lot of activations that we're going to see manufacturers probably implement and hopefully Bachbar can steward that because uh, there's so many talks of, you know, the metaverse or whatnot, how it all plays in. Uh, so it'd be very interesting to see how everything unfolds. It's something that I was interested, I got interested in this last week as, you know, Ikea made that the verbiage about, you know, uh, having a bond with digital assets or, or physical assets actually through NFTs. And I thought that was interesting having a, a bond with a, a physical asset. So, uh, I can see how that, you know, can prove beneficial for companies and also, yeah. you know, companies that sell products. And, and it actually raises another question because we're going to see this a lot where physical assets, you know, like wines and spirits, furniture in the future and every, probably everything have a NFT attached to it. What's what has been the, uh, the demand or has there been questions about people having the ability to collateralize? Your existing collection. I know we talked about that briefly last time. I wasn't sure if that's been fleshed out more or not Not your area of focus right now. Yeah. So the thing is with Blockbar, part of the reason why we set out on this journey is because we felt like there was an issue and we felt that we wanted to solve that issue. So we are a huge believer of tying digital assets to physical assets. Uh, our whole thesis on it and our whole mission is to solve actual problems while doing so. So there's some products, for example, that it doesn't necessarily make sense for. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, for example, a, a, a water bottle, you know, there's no real reason for you to buy a digital version of that water bottle. You just need the sure. physical version unless it's something exclusive or a collectible or anything like that. So there, the issue that we're solving is authenticity. And the truth is in the industry uh, and the industry kind of dances around this. But the truth is that the only way to prove authenticity is directly from the brands, because once that product leaves mm -hmm. the facility, once that product goes into the hands of a consumer, there's always going to be a, a question as to the authenticity. Uh, like I said, uh, right. counter, counterfeit is very prevalent in the industry, and it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly how to authenticate it. So the way that we do it is we're kind of rethinking, rethinking the distribution channel in order to solve the problem. Whereas you could buy the product directly from the brand, but you don't necessarily need to, to have that product on your shelf immediately. So we're trying to make it more about ownership and less about, you know, shipping and, and storage. Uh, an, a, another great example is there's a lot of people who are interested in collecting premium wines and spirits, but the brand physically just can't ship the product to their location. So think mm -hmm. about, you know, a country like Saudi Arabia. It could be that people in that region are interested in collecting, investing in premium wines and spirits, but there's a lot of logistical issues and regulatory issues with shipping that product directly into that jurisdiction. So we're trying to rethink that problem where anyone in any, anywhere in the world can buy it. Ownership is instantaneous, but then delivery is on demand or delivery can kind of be deferred or, or avoided because you could gift it, you could resell it right. and you could still participate it without having to act without, without having the physical burden of having it shipped to you and then stored. So going back to your original question, there is definitely a demand for people to you know, create digital versions and tokenize their existing collections. Blockbar isn't necessarily the avenue for those consumers mm -hmm. just yet uh, until the industry can really figure out exactly how to authenticate products. Uh, it's not going to work for Blockbar because if somebody ships us a product, now it's on us to verify right. its authenticity before another consumer comes in and buys it because we want to make sure that everything on our platform is 100% authentic and comes directly from the brand. And, it, and if it doesn't come from the brand, it's because a consumer has never touched that product before. Yeah, I think I would have to side with you. I think the it's just an opinion, you know. To, to eat, yeah, to no, <laughs> yeah, because I, I'm in many NFT projects that you can see here, and a lot of them come with physical assets that now have a near few communication chip in there. 
But to your point, someone could really just take that out and apply it somewhere else. And although yeah, and, it is, and has also some another benefits, another yeah. issue with that, another issue with that, Joe is uh, we don't know how that person stored that product because wine and spirits mm-hmm. has to be stored in a in a in specific oh, circumstances. Right. So, for example, if somebody has that product and stores it in too much direct sunlight and it spoils the, it spoils the liquid, then they send it into us and we resell it to a consumer. We, we feel extremely responsible if the consumer then redeems that product and realizes it's not in pristine condition. And it, again, it's because we couldn't really authenticate the juice on the inside. Yeah, definitely. We definitely see a lot of holes, not, not only in wine spirits, but even in fashion of how we can solve this big counterfeit issue. I was hoping that, you know, there's a silver bullet here with, you know, the uh, near future communication chips and NFT authenticity, but we have some ways to go and that's okay. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, and, and and look, I think that NFTs are going to solve a lot of problems, specifically with uh, exclusive and premium luxury goods. But that doesn't mean it's going to solve every problem. You know, a, a lot of a lot of brands are looking at NFTs as kind of a fix everything button, and that's not the case. You know, the, mm-hmm. NFTs are used or should be used for a very specific use case. Uh, it can solve a lot of the problems, but it's not going to solve everything overnight. Absolutely agree. Well, we're wrapping up 2023 here. By the time most listeners are listening to this, we'll already be in 2023. But being in business for over a year now in the Web3 space, what's some of the biggest lessons and takeaways that you've had from this last year? And uh, are, are there any you know new things that's going to come up in 2023 on your guys' roadmap? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, initially when we launched, we focused heavily on the Web3 community uh, and we were received excellently by a lot of the community. Uh, and now our goal is to really onboard more people into that world. It really is about education and onboarding. So we've tried to simplify the way that consumers can buy our products on our website, make it as easy as possible, let people buy with crypto, credit card, or wire transfer. And then now we really want to focus on the traditional wine and spirits collector and onboarding them into the world of Web3 to make it a lot more easy and seamless, because it really is about growing uh, the base of Web3 uh, to, to make the community even stronger. Some lessons that I've learned, you know, from the from the first year in business, there's countless, uh, but it's just how how quickly things can change. I mean, we spoke about it, Joe, earlier. We spoke six months ago. Think about how different the landscape was back then. And I think in this industry, people get very intimidated, but it's it's a breath of fresh air to know that everybody is learning as this is going along. Not everything has been set. The legal precedent for a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the future is being hap- is going on right now. So. I always say that anyone looking to enter this space, I wouldn't get intimidated by some of the stuff that you don't know in the industry, because I'm very weary of people in this in, in this industry who say that they're an expert just because of how quickly things change. So I wouldn't be discouraged. Uh, and then I also think it's very important to know exactly why you're getting into this industry. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of brands that are getting into the industry as kind of a marketing campaign, which is fine, or uh, to solve specific problems, whatever it is, whenever there's an NFT or a Web3 product being launched by a traditional Web2 company, I think that it's really important to know exactly what your goal is, uh, to pinpoint exactly why you're getting into this space, how you're going to utilize the technology, whatever it is. And if it's just for marketing, just be transparent about that, because I think that the community is a lot smarter than people give them credit for. And when it's inauthentic, uh, it's pretty easy to spot by the community. Absolutely. So no sneak peek or alpha on collaborations that coming up because I know you, you probably have some big ones coming up. We have a lot of exciting collaborations coming on. Uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of new people joining the company. We have a lot of new exciting releases. Uh, 
can't give you too much of a sneak peek, Joe. Uh, I, I could definitely, I could definitely tell you online, uh, offline once that once the news breaks. But uh, for everyone, just stay tuned. Follow us on our <laughs> social channels. We have a lot of exciting collaborations and partnerships coming up. Awesome, perfect. I'll definitely put all the links to your Discord, your Twitter down below for anyone that wants to check out Block Bar. And we'll definitely love to have you back on after you know some more time passes because it's such a fast moving, interesting space. We'd love to talk more about wine and spirits with you. Yeah, who knows where we're going to be in three months, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we we all know what happened. Uh, this was the this is the post Donald Trump NFT era. Anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome, Sam. Well, thank you for coming on. We love having you. And uh, everyone, check please check out Black Bar. Yes, Joe. Thank you for having me. Next time, hopefully we could do it in person. But if not, you know, always happy to to hop online and chat with you. Thank you for cool. having thank me. Thank you, man. Thanks, Sam. Bye. Bye.